0: Good morning, today is the 14th of June, it is 6.30 in the morning, and if you hear some chopping, cutting, slicing, dicing sounds in the background, that is Vera making breakfast right now. If you're wondering, why aren't you helping your wife, Del, what are you doing? We're just standing here talking, and my answer is yes, that's exactly what I'm doing, and I'm not helping because I don't think there's much for me to do. Oftentimes there's not. We've got a small kitchen and sometimes me being in there is more hassle than it's worth. Sometimes that's not the case. I can chop some stuff on the side. But that all aside, breakfast is handled, it's fine. It's not that I'm trying to be uh, unhelpful. I'm more than happy to help when the opportunity arises. I wanted to follow up, or that's what I'm going to do, I I want to, and so here I go, I am going to follow up on the chat that I had yesterday that started out with knowing what you value and why you value these things and and thinking hard and doing the due diligence and doing the, the... the inner work on on where you stand on various things so that you know and that you have something in place. It can even be a placeholder idea. That's fine. That's better than just, uh, I, don't, I don't really know. I never really thought about that. No, 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 that's terrible. Because then if you don't have something holding the ground in that position, almost any decent idea, even even half-baked idea can come along and just take that spot. And that very thing is what I see happening with people that take up with ideologies and ways of thinking that just aren't real bright. Somebody that's charming or enchanting or good with words comes along and spins a few yarns and this person's just all swept up and, and caught, in, caught in the nest and caught in, caught in the web. I don't, know. I don't know what's going on. For example, for a while there, anytime you went around a college campus and you saw, you, there, there was a good chance that you would see somebody wearing a Che Guevara shirt. And the general idea, it seemed like, about this fellow was that he was a liberator, a freedom fighter, a, a rebel against the tyranny of, of the oppressor. And so he's, he's, he's a good guy, but he's not a good guy at all. He's a horrible, horrible person. I I don't know if you could equate him to the same level as Hitler or Pol Pot or Stalin. I mean, there weren't the numbers in Cuba to do those kind of things. But he killed anybody or had killed anybody that opposed him, from what I understand. Um, I heard something recently that was new to me that I had no idea about, that he and Castro were all for starting nuclear war with, the The United States they wanted to kill as many people as they could I don't really know what his reasons were for this stuff I haven't done a whole lot of research into the guy because I, nothing about him interests me but what, okay not nothing I guess the only thing that interests me about him is that people get wrapped up with him as this good guy that they want to have on their shirt it'd be like having a picture of I don't know Charles Manson or something on your shirt or 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 even Hitler or some of Hitler's generals. What do you what are you doing? Oh, he he loved his family. Okay, yeah. There's a lot of other people out there that love their family and that are way better role models than than that person. If that's all all your standard is for having somebody on your shirt, then you can probably have. All, I mean, most people on your shirt, despite all the horrible things that many of the humans on this planet have done throughout time but that's not what i wanted to linger on i wanted to linger on the latter two quarters i think it was about a 45 minute chat quarter of it the first 15 minutes was about the value system and then the last half an hour was talking about my brother and i want to linger on that a little bit because interesting development happened yesterday or or rather a lack of development so I recorded that podcast, and I did as I said I was going to. I shared that podcast with my family group, and I said, Hey, I was really unhappy with Dean's actions, the whole thing where he's like, Oh, this is a bike, and just hijacking the conversation. I, I This this actions bothered me. It, it's another instance of him doing the things that he does. Here's some of my thoughts on it. Listen from the 14-minute point forward, and tell me what you think. Well multiple family members read that i could see their little icons pop up so i know that they saw the message but nobody that i know of listened to the full half an hour that i recorded about that my dad said he listened to about five minutes i don't know if he went back and listened to any more i didn't follow up but to find out um jeff said that he uh was busy with something and he would listen to more later i don't know if that happened my sister, hours later, sometime in the afternoon, said something like, Hey, Del, I don't think what you're doing is very nice. If, if you have issues with Dean, I think you should talk to Dean in private about that. Uh, to which I responded something like, I've done that many, many times. I have talked to him about this between just he and I, and he doesn't get it. I think it's time for this to be brought out and done in a public Manner like this. And my dad said something like, I, dad, will not be talking about this in the family group. If I have any thoughts, I'll share them with Dean. And if Dean wants to share them with you guys, then that's he can do that, obviously. Um and I see where they're coming from. I totally do. I, I do think that that sometimes Talking to a person in private about a thing is the right way to go. And I would say that is where you should start. That is usually the advice that you get or that I've seen when working in various jobs that I've had. If you have a problem with a coworker, go to the co- coworker and try and resolve it with them. If nothing gets solved there, then the next step is to try and have a conversation with that person and somebody that's in a, a, a higher position, a supervisor or maybe a manager and if still nothing can get resolved, then you talked with the manager and you, and you try and figure something out there. Um, I've been in a sitting or a situation at a workplace where I, through, um, I guess, a level of timidness on my own side and and a lack of self, uh, courage skipped the first part in a work setting there was an individual who was I was having a hard time with I, I just I don't know how to describe it I just he and I didn't see eye to eye on stuff and and some of his actions were bothering me and so instead of going to him and saying hey I've I struggle with working with you sometimes and here's why is there anything that can be done about that I just went to my coworkers, kind of rallied them behind his back, and said, hey, I don't like this about this guy, and I'm pretty sure you don't either. Am I right about that? Yeah, we don't like it about him either. Okay, well, let's go to our our bosses and get them to do something about him. And I did that, there was myself, a few others, talking to the, 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 the uh, uh, higher up, and I think that the higher ups eventually had a conversation with the guy. I felt kind of slimy about that, and I will not be doing that kind of thing in the future. If I have a problem with somebody, I will be doing the going to them first situation. Here's the thing with my brother. First off, it's, it's a very different dynamic. It's family as opposed to just a, 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 somebody that I didn't grow up with and around that I don't know on a, on a pretty personal level. So that changes the dynamic in a big way. When you're part of a family, that's, that is a, a, a large unit. You're all kind of, in, in the best case scenario, on the same team. Secondly, I have talked to Dean about this many times, many times, in person, uh, on the phone, via text, via email. I mean, if there's a written form or a spoken form, I've probably taken it with him. The only thing that I can think of off the top of my mind right now that I haven't done is write him a handwritten letter or a typewritten letter, something like that. But email, text, phone, Skype, or Google Hangouts, same, same damn thing, in person, I've done all that. This has been a conversation that I've had with him since I was um, 21-ish, 22, when we went on our walk across the country, and he was 18. So this has been going on for more than 12 years and possibly even before that but definitely that long I remember him doing weird things on our walk across the country and having to explain to him that his weird antics could get us in a situation that we didn't want to be in and how him acting in strange ways could put us in in positions of danger that I certainly didn't want to be in he was continually stopping To pick up pieces of garbage, not to throw away, but just to look at to see if it was something interesting that he wanted to keep. And then he would throw it back down. I mean, this was just the way that he would talk to people sometimes. It's just, I, I get the feeling sometimes that he's trying to do some sort of Eric Andre, Andy Kaufman sort of performance art thing. And there's a time and a place for that. If you want to make funny YouTube videos, hidden camera kind of things, hey, have at it. Go be a weirdo. Have your friends record you being doing strange and goofy things and get the people around you's reactions. I'm I'm I have no problem with that at all. I'm all for that. If it's in a safe environment and you're not doing anything that's going to get somebody hurt. Some of the jackass stuff was a little bit on the line, but a lot of things were really funny. Like there was one time I remember where Johnny Knoxville would take a a baby carriage, and he he had a—I mean, it was a stuffed baby. It didn't even look all that realistic, but you can't tell because it's got a blanket on it or something. He goes like he's he's just ordered a coffee or something, sets the baby carrier on the top of his car as he's putting some things in. He takes his backpack off. and Then he gets in the car— and starts to drive off but he does it kind of slowly and he makes sure he does it in the crowded area and people are running no your baby oh and he, he goes oh my goodness and he freaks out like oh poor baby I anyways mean, it was funny that's funny um so if you're if you want to do that and the only thing in danger is your own physical safety and you're fine with that then hey have at it i guess there's some stuff that stevo has done that just is way too far in my opinion apparently he i know i'm getting off track here but this is this is what i'm saying this is where i say i think this is too far he he made a a pool of jet fuel in his living room and then did snow angels in the jet fuel and then had somebody light it and he got horribly burned He said it was the worst pain that he has ever felt in his life. And he said it just got worse. And Dr. Drew was like, yeah, that's what burns do. They go so deep and then they get infected. And Steve was like, yeah, I didn't really know that that was going to happen. And the whole reason he did this is because he felt that he hadn't shown his girlfriend or fiance that he truly loved her. So he said, I'm going to ruin. I'm bringing in bomb experts and I'm going to completely ruin our living room. Just blow it up so that... You can pick all of the stuff to redo it, and we're going to do that together, but you're going to take charge of it. It's like, well, okay. I I mean, it's just interesting, and that's definitely something that I would not do. I'm not going to um, light myself on fire, covered in jet fuel. I have zero interest in that. I don't even like putting my fingers next to a match, let alone laying in jet fuel, so no... My point here is that if you want to do those things on your own, in the privacy of your home, with people around you that are fully knowing what you're doing, then I guess have at it. But when you're doing the things that my brother is doing simply for the sake of attention getting, and I don't know what else it could be for, and maybe it is for something else. Maybe it's a cry for help. Maybe it's, maybe what my brother is doing is is trying to get somebody to call him out so that what I did yesterday is exactly what happened. On one level, I that has to be right because that is what happened. He's done this enough where this has been the result. So on some level, that has to be at least a little bit right. The reason I don't agree with my family, at least my dad and my sister, uh, Dan and Jeff, the two other sane ones. I mean, they're all sane except for Dean. He, and he, I wouldn't say that he's insane, he's just a little off, and he could be on if he wanted to be. I've seen him be on. I've seen him be normal and talk like a, like a regular person. It's very odd. I, I don't know if he has some sort of mental issue, but the in, the tone of his voice and his cadence, just the whole way that he talks is different from strange Dean mode and normal Dean mode, and so I know that he's got these two modes. And if he can be normal Dean mode some of the time, then he can be it all the time. It might be very difficult for him to be that, but he can do it. I know he can because I've seen him do it. The reason I don't agree with my family, at least the, 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 the couple members that don't think that having this conversation in in public is the right approach is because sometimes Things need to be called out in public. Let me give you an example of why this is, I think, accurate. Let's say you're at a a family, a family, a group, whatever. You're at a uh, uh, a work picnic, and it's you and a, and a number of other families from the work picnic. It's uh, something that your work has put together and they've supplied the dogs and, and the burgers and the and the, the veggies and the salads and whatever and it's this big thing and it's a big uh, potluck style thing and everybody's having a good time and your child comes running up to the table while the adults are having a nice conversation people are standing around and oh yeah well blah 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 and your child comes running up jumps up on a park bench and goes, says something ridiculous, like, I'm a T-Rex, Roar! just yells at right there. And then just kind of pauses and looks around. Uh, you've probably seen kids do this. They do it because they want to see what's the reaction. And they look at the adults' faces. What are they going to do? How are they going to react? Are they going to laugh? Am I going to get a chuckle out of this? Or am I going to, am I going to get scolded? Am I going to get it ignored? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen? Oftentimes, the child does get a chuckle. And the adults look over. and, Oh, he's a T-Rex! Oh. and then they kind of have a little chat about that. Where'd he get that from? Oh, is that? Oh, he watched some movie about dinosaurs. There was something on Netflix. Some some new show. Oh, speaking of Netflix, have you seen? Blah 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 blah. And the kid goes, Ooh, that was fun. He gets a little lift out of it, or she does. Ooh, that was that was neat. They looked at me. They got I got a laugh, and I changed the entire course of their conversation. They were talking about the recent quarters earnings and blah, 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 blah. Not that any of that really registered in my five-year-old head, but they're talking about X. I come running up and now I made them. I forced the entire conversation to revolve around me, me, me. I yelled T-Rex, I'm a dinosaur, rah, 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 and they said something about Netflix, which is exactly where I watched the show, and now they're talking about something else, and I did that. Holy crap, I'm powerful. Is the child having these conscious thoughts? Hell no, hell no. There is no five-year-old on the planet that is that calculating. I, I can I can say that with pretty a uh, pretty damn high degree of confidence. I don't think that any ten-year-old is thinking something like that. I don't even think a teenager is thinking something like that, and most adults aren't thinking things like that. I I, I can't say that there has never ever been. A five-year-old that has ever thought that way but i'm going to say it's you have probably a better chance of winning the next mega millions 100 million jackpot than you do of the, ever meeting a child that is that that does that kind of thing it's the same whatever i'm not going to linger on that so what is the adult to do the parent of that child what should they do it depends it depends on the situation it depends on how many times this kind of thing has happened This might be the first time that that five-year-old has ever been in a public setting and is just going, I don't know what to do in this situation. This is all brand new. I've only ever been around a couple of my mom and dad's friends for some some dinners. This is wholly brand new. And so often when you're a child, every new instance of, of a situation that you're in is brand new. I mean... Every situation that you're ever in of all time is always brand new. You will never be in an exact, to every single detail, repeat. But when you're a child, you are constantly being introduced to totally brand new situations that you've never been in anything like them before. So you have to figure out and be taught, how do you interact in this situation? How do I act the way that I do around mom and dad when I'm around 50 people? And do I act around 50 people the way that I do when I'm just by myself and in a, in a couple of my little friends? Do I act around my couple of little friends the same way I do around grandma and grandpa? And the answer is no. You act different in all of those situations. And you have to have good parents that will show you how to act in those situations. So I would say if this is the child's very first time of ever being in a situation like this, that the parent should immediately shut that down as soon as they can. They see the child run up and they see the kid yell and they go, okay. And they grab their child, they, they swoop them up into their arms and they go walking off and they go, hey, honey, when, when mom and dad and we're talking like that, you get them to looking in you in the eyes, you get down to their level, you don't talk, de- you don't stand and have them up to the height of your knees and you're talking down to them, hey, sw- waggle your finger in their face. No, 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 no. You get down to their level. You sit them on a table. You get them to, so you're looking them right in the eye. Hey, honey, that's not nice. You don't do that. If you want to talk about your dinosaur show, you can come up and you can you can tug on my pant. You can hold my hand and say, Mom, I'd like to talk about the dinosaur show, Dad. I, I want to tell the, 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 your friends what I saw. And then we can we, I will tell the friends, hey, uh, Johnny here has something he'd like to share, but you do not run up and yell and interrupt everybody. You don't do that. That is very, very rude. And you make it clear to them what is wrong with that, that action, why you don't do that. You can have an example of what you do. If mom wants to say something, she doesn't yell and go, "Rar! I saw a movie. Mom says, waits for an opportunity and then says, asks, Hey, did anybody see this movie? Okay, and you get the child to explain. If they do it again, you try that same approach. Okay, honey, what did we talk about? Oh, I'd, I'd, you ask them, did, did any of what I talked to you about this 15 minutes ago, did you retain that? Did, that? did that sink in? You have that conversation. And you do that, I'd say, a few times. Maybe every single time it happens during that potluck. Now, if you're at another situation, another large social setting, and a similar type thing happens at some point you're going to need to stop pulling the child aside and you might go why why do you ever stop pulling the child aside here's why because the child at a certain point is going i don't care what you parent think about the situation i care about what the group thinks about the situation and so the group needs to systematically cast judgment on that action. The trouble here is that in our day and age, you're going to get mixed responses. So, as a parent, what you should probably do is say, when you're having the conversation and your child's off, hey, my son has been having trouble... Um, interacting with groups. And the last potluck we were at, he kept on running up and yelling something about dinosaurs. And, he, and I talked to him multiple times about this, and I told him that it was unacceptable, but he wouldn't listen to me. So I have to ask a big favor of you. If he does something like that today, if he comes running up, he was just watching a show about um, seagulls that build cranes and they i don't know some some new show that he found whatever if he comes running up and yells something like seagulls or cranes i really want everybody to look at him you don't have to scowl but just stare at him go silent and then maybe shake your head and and i will tell him that's unacceptable and if anybody else wants to chime in, I would very much appreciate it. Um, especially some of the males, I would really, I would really appreciate it if you, if you told my son, "Hey, Johnny, that's not nice. Please don't do that. Don't interrupt the adults talking. That would really, I think it would really help the situation." And if you do that, you lay it out. You'll probably get nods. Okay, yeah, that seems right. Because guess what? That is the fucking right thing to do. That is right. And I don't think you're gonna get. Any person going, oh, boy, that doesn't settle right in my gut. No, they're going to go, huh, something about that feels very right. That does feel right. We should, as a group, condemn the poor actions of your child that isn't getting it. So here comes little Johnny. He runs up and goes, seagulls and cranes. <laughs> and everybody stops what they're doing. They stare him in the eyes, get some shakes of the heads and some raised eyebrows, some crossed arms. Mom goes, Johnny. I told you that's not how you bring ideas to a group. And then one of the other, maybe one of the bosses, he's got a big beard, and he goes, Johnny, you need to listen to your mother. She told us that you have done this in the past. You've been very rude. And that is not how you talk to adults. That's not how you talk to your friends. That is not a nice way to be a person. And Johnny's like, oh shit. Oh shit. I just crossed a line this isn't just a mom that I've pissed off. I've pissed off all of the adults. Oh, damn. And big beard man. And I know that guy. He's my mom's boss. Even he's upset with me. Okay. Johnny in that situation, if he's not a complete fucking psychopath, is probably going to get really upset. He's going to get super reflective. He's going to Oh, he's going to be like a puppy that is extremely scared and tail goes between the legs and he goes, scamper, kind of crawling off like, I need to think about my actions here. Now, now, now what you do as a parent is you go over there and you console him. Hey, Johnny, remember what we talked about? Yeah. And you have that conversation with him. The reason I just gave that long ass story and explained all that is because... I have done the pull-aside, let's have a conversation about this thing with my brother, Dean, many freaking times, and my thought has been again and again, dude, you're an adult, you have a functioning mind, can we talk about this adult to adult, brother to brother, and figure out what in the hell your problems are so that you stop acting out in this way? And I thought that I could break through and get, get through and, and maybe get that message into his head. And it seems like I do on many occasions. It seems like it sinks in. But then here he comes again with some more of his dumb antics. And my dad, he sent me this message just to me. And he said something like, um, let me see if I can find it here. My dad asked me why I'm so bothered by this weird stuff that, that he does, Dean. And the thing is, it's not just weird stuff. It's not just goofy things. It's not jokes. Like, the other day, I asked my, my family, I said, um, do do any of you eat fried eggs on a, like, a, come a kind of, like not have you ever had a fried egg, but do, is that something that you have on a regular basis or semi-regular? And one of my brothers said, yeah, I do, but I use, uh, and, I, and I also asked, I said, do any of you eat fried eggs? And if you do, what kind of oil do you use? And one brother said, I do, but I just use a really good nonstick pan. Another one said, yeah, I use olive oil on a low heat. My dad said, um, and then I said, well, I found out recently that olive oil has a really low smoke point, meaning that it burns, meaning that you don't get any nutritional value from it. Peanut oil, on the other hand, has a very high smoke point and is good for you. And it tastes really good. I said, you should give it a try. And um, my dad said, I use castor oil. 10-40 10-40w and if I don't have any of that around then I use olive oil and I said ah dad with the with the oil jokes that's fine that's funny my dad's making a joke there that's it and it's part of the conversation that's not my dad saying um just something just completely off the wall and and just I don't I can't think of a good example but my brother, the weird one, he said that. I mean, he he that here's a here's an example of him where he did contribute just fine to the conversation. He said something like, "Yeah, I have fried eggs, but I use I don't remember what he said, but I don't like peanuts. So I but thanks for the th- suggestion. Hey, totally normal. That's there you go. There you are, being a regular person. Good job. That's perfect. No issues. I have no problems. Nothing to say there. Didn't even register on my radar of weirdness. So when Dean did the whole thing the hijacking the conversation it's not weird it's not weird it's it's a problem and it's a problem that needs to be addressed it's a problem that needs to have the spotlight shown on it and that's why I want to do it in the public sector of my family group hey he's not getting this and I can only assume he's doing some of this stuff out in the wider world and it's not going to go well for him people aren't going to want to hang out with him and it's going to be this cyclic effect. And for a while there, like for multiple years at least, he had this really bizarre friend. And it sounded like this friend was not a good influence and was giving Dean a hard time about the choices that Dean would make. Like this guy would tell Dean that he should be vegan. And he didn't even have a good reason for it. It was just you should. And I asked, why? I asked, why are you doing this? Well, I don't know because my friend is. Okay, but are you doing it for health reasons? Are you doing it for, for conscientious reasons? Are you, are you worried about the animals? No, I'm just doing it because my friend told me to. And this, amazingly enough, allows me to bring this whole damn talk full circle. What I started with at the beginning of my podcast yesterday and what I started this one again on was the whole value system. If you do not have placeholder ideas or even locked in really good ideas, I guess every idea should be a placeholder idea. You should be willing to adopt a new, better idea if one comes along and is presented and checks all the boxes or enough boxes to replace the old, bad placeholder idea or less than favorable placeholder idea. So, all of your ideas should be something that you're willing to let go if something superior comes along. But if you don't have those placeholder ideas, then just any old idea can come in. If you don't know why you eat the foods that you eat and why you're not currently vegan, then somebody that comes along that you want the approval of that says you should eat vegan is going to be able to stick their idea wherever they want. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do to stop them from sticking it there. And there you go. Now you're a vegan because your friend said that that's what they wanted you to do. And you're just going, oh, I guess I'll just do what you want. If you're wondering, what in the hell does this have to do with how, to, how are you going to tie this? The placeholder ideas and having good ideas with the strange antics you need people that love you and care about you and are concerned about you to help you get those right ideas in place what else is the mother doing when she tells little Johnny to stop yelling about cranes or uh, T-Rexes or dinosaurs or whatever then telling him that idea that you have right now, that's not very well thought out, but that's fine because you're five years old, not, you don't think ideas out very well, is a wrong idea. And here's why it's the wrong idea. And if it doesn't stick for Johnny, then the group needs to say, hey, Johnny, that's not how you do it. That idea is the wrong way to go about things. The right idea is that you come up, you tug on your mom's pant, you hold her hand and you say, I want to talk about the, the crane show that I saw. And then mom says, oh, hey, everybody, Johnny would like to share this crane show that he that he saw recently. And then the group goes, oh, let, tell us about the crane show, Johnny. That's the appropriate way to do things. Does it get the same kind of reaction? No. But the kind of reaction that you've been trying to get, little Johnny, the kind of reaction that you've been trying to get, Dean, is not the right kind of reaction. It's like the person that thinks that any attention is good attention. Well... I guess I can see, no, I'm not I guess, I can totally see how any attention could be perceived as better attention than no attention, but that's a real low bar. The bar should be, I want positive and good attention, not garbage attention. So don't have a low bar when it comes to the kind of attention that you're looking for. Want good quality attention. Have people that want to talk with you and engage with you and and talk and and speak with you about the various things that you think and, and have to say. Don't just be all uh, willing to get the, the 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 easiest laugh or or yeah. Have ha, have have a better opinion of yourself. And I suppose I could have something to do with that. It could be partly on my shoulders to help somebody like my brother have a better opinion of, of himself and my, I suppose you could say, abrasive ways of of talking to him and, and explaining to him that I think what he's done is, out of line, isn't the nicest way to go about things. And I'll admit, it's definitely not the nicest way to go about things, but, man, when I've been doing this for the past 13 years or so and trying to have these conversations and you're just not listening, eh. I'm a little fed up. I I, I don't know what else to do here besides call upon the the combined strength of the rest of the family. So, yeah. That's where I stand right now. Get your act together, man. Um, All right. I love you. Bye.